Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Now for our story. Aunt Mary Lane's pretty niece, Peggy Douglas, the young girl whom Lefty Larkin knows to be his own daughter, sat in a booth at the Brown Palace Hotel coffee shop with her fiancé, Nicholas Dorn. He is the charming young writer from Hollywood who had decided to stay on in Wakefield, having fallen in love with the little town while he was making a documentary film there. While they were waiting for their order to be taken, the two young people had been joined by Mrs. Ben Calvert, formerly Jesse Ward. During the ensuing conversation, Jesse had purposely hinted to Peggy that Bill Meade and his wife Kit were thinking seriously of a separation. But Peggy's reluctance to discuss the subject had been very apparent. After Jesse left them to keep an appointment, the young couple had fallen into silence, made all the more awkward by the bustling restaurant activity. At last, Nicholas Dorn had said, Peggy, I made you extra strange just now. What do you mean? I thought I was very polite. You were polite enough. But you were so obvious about fluffing her off. Why didn't you let Jessie say whatever she had in her mind? Well, why should I? I'm not interested in the least, so why should I pretend to be? He thinks the lady doth protest too much. Well, I think you're being ridiculous. Really, Nicholas, you of all people should see that there's absolutely no point in my discussing Bill Mead or Kit or their child or anything about it. You and I are planning a life together. What happens to Bill Mead and his family is none of our concern. Now, wait a minute, Peggy. Maybe you don't realize how your behavior looks to someone else. In fact, you can't even hear the mention of Bill Mead's name without getting into an uproar means something. And it's far from ridiculous for me to be concerned about it. As you say, we are planning a life together. But I'd like to be fairly sure that it isn't going to be built on shaky foundations. You know what I think, Nicholas Dorn? I think you're acting like a very jealous man. Oh, but that's crazy. I can't be. Well, you know I what I... Well, I finally got around to you. Gee, I'm awful sorry to keep you waiting so long, but then you were in good company. Oh, definitely. Gee, it's a darling blouse, Peggy. Did you get it at the Vogue dress shop? Oh, I thank you, Sally. No, Aunt Mary made it for me. She's wonderful, you know. She could make an old sack look like something out of Harper's Bazaar. You're lucky. I wish my mom could do things like that. Just the opposite with us, though. I have to make things for her. Well, what are you going to have? Peggy? Oh, I don't know. I'm not very hungry. You said you were starved when we came in. Maybe I did, but I'm not anymore. Oh, just bring me a tuna fish sandwich, Sally, and a pot of black tea. Oh, what about you, Mr. Doran? Funny, huh? Not very hungry either. It sounds to me like you two are in love. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Oh, let's see. Bring me the blue plate special, merchant's lunch. All right, I'll hurry. Now, where were we? Frankly, I don't think it matters very much. Let's talk about the weather or something. No, Peggy, we've got to get this thing ironed out. Well, if you insist on digging into it. All I have to say is I think you're terribly inconsistent. You've always said that neither of us cared about what happened in the past. As far as I'm concerned, it's true. Doesn't make any difference to me how you feel about Julie. No, I suppose it doesn't. After all, that's different, Peggy. You know I don't give two hoots about Julie. But even if you did, it wouldn't bother me. Why should it? My goodness, Nick, you seem to be forgetting everything we ever said about things. How we agreed that our relationship was going to be sensible, clean-cut. 
Yes, I know. I suppose it does look as if I'm going back on some of the things we've said. The trouble is, you don't seem to realize how you act every time Bill Mead's name is mentioned. I don't know what you're talking about. Seems to me I've always behaved quite nicely. If I don't care to discuss it, that's my business. Oh, sure, sure. It's your business, all right. The way you look, the way you freeze up somehow. Looks as if you're hurt, upset. Would be different if you were honestly indifferent. Well, I can't help how it looks to you. I assure you, I am indifferent. Completely. You know what I think? No. You act as though you're in love with him. You do, believe me. Well, assuming I do, I still say it's none of your business who I'm in love with. If I were in love with someone... None of my business? Good Lord, Peggy, how can you say that? We were planning to get married. Or had that slipped your mind? No, I remember it quite well. There's nothing wrong with my memory. But I think there's something terribly wrong with yours. What, for example? Ever since we first discussed making a life together... We agreed that we were going to be impersonal, objective, realistic. That we wouldn't get all involved emotionally. All right. I stand by that. I haven't changed my mind. Well, then why do you get so upset like this just because I refuse to let a woman like Jessie Calvert start gossiping about something that's none of my concern? Well, you may sound very cool and collected now. But you didn't when she was here talking to you. Every time Bill Mead is mentioned, that faraway look comes in your eye. Your face gets white and you look like a frightened rabbit. Well, that's a fine thing to say. Not very complimentary. I don't care. You do. Look as if you're being pursued, hunted. Burns me up. Well, you've no reason to be burnt up. You ought to be ashamed, acting exactly like a jealous man. But it isn't jealousy, even though it may look that way. It's just, well, masculine pride, that's all. Sure, we said we were going to be impersonal and all that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that a man wants his wife looking moony-eyed every time some dopey guy she knew in the past is mentioned. Moony-eyed? I'm getting a little tired of your insults, Mr. Doohan. First I'm a frightened rabbit, and now I'm moony-eyed. Besides, you don't even know, Bill. What right have you to call him dopey? You mean to say you're mad because I call that big dumb cluck a dope? He's a very fine boy. He, he's just confused, that's all. Oh, 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 brother, I'll buy that last part. He's so confused he doesn't even know what he wants. He's got the Calvert money in back of him. He's married to Kit Calvert. Married because he doesn't know when he's in love and when he isn't. And he's got a son. Why doesn't he go peddle his papers, leave you alone? Bill hasn't bothered me. Well, you told me he came out to Aunt Mary's, wanted to talk to you. But I didn't talk to him. He talked to Aunt Mary. Oh, sure, sure, he would. Sort of man who plays in a woman's maternal instincts. Bill has a perfect right to go there if he wants to. Aunt Mary likes him. Well, this isn't getting us anywhere. You don't seem to get what I'm driving at, either that or you refuse to. You just don't want to. Sally returned with their food at that moment. The two young people fell silent again. This had been their first quarrel. And they were both very unhappy. After they left the little coffee shop and started on the way home, Peggy began to think what a nice boy Nicholas really was. How unselfish he'd always been. How considerate. She didn't want to hurt him. After they'd walked some time in silence, suddenly Peggy looks up at him and says, Nicholas, don't be angry. I'm sorry I said what I did. You mean uh, about my being jealous? Yes. It just upset me the way you were talking. Oh, Nick, it's really so silly. 
Because I'm not affected by Bill anymore. Really, I'm not. You sure? Of course I am. I just get angry when people start pounding at me, insisting on telling me things. Were you just standing up for him because you were provoked with me? Honestly, Nick. Well, I guess I'm just a screwball, making a lot out of nothing. Oh, Nick, if you'll only relax. Be the way you were to begin with, when we used to plan our nice, simple kind of relationship. That's what I want. No complications, no troubles. That's what we want, isn't it? Yes. You see, you convinced me that that was the best way to live. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. yeah that's the only way. So, let's not argue anymore, shall we? Let's never quarrel again. There's no need for us to. It's such a waste of time. Yeah, Peggy, you're right. Nicholas. Hmm? You don't look very cheerful. Don't I? Oh, I'm all right. Sure now? Yeah, sure. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. What? Uh, it's from the Bible, Peggy. It means the joke's on me. Now it was Peggy's turn to look bewildered and puzzled. What, she wondered, was Nicholas talking about? And why did he look suddenly so miserable, almost forlorn? The truth which had been so plain didn't occur to Peggy, because she'd always thought of Nicholas as just a friend, an impersonal companion. But Nicholas at the moment was a very unhappy young man. For the first time, he realized that his feelings for Peggy were not the simple, friendly ones he'd expected them to be. He was afraid that he was falling in love. Or perhaps Nicholas wondered suddenly. Perhaps he already was in love. Could that be it? <laughs> 